Okay, so you've made some political videos. You made some some now you're like getting into you're doing more uh, faith based stuff. Obviously, there's a lot of awful people that comment mean things and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's not very interesting, right? But was there any people? Did anybody say anything like a quip or a, a little comment or something that stuck out to you as like particularly funny? Yes. Uh, so uh, a lot of people are calling me Vanilla Christ. <laughs> And I thought, yeah, exactly. Hello and welcome to another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Casey. I'm Jeremiah. And Sam is not here. He and his wife are splitting. What, what's what's that burger with the egg on it at uh, Red Robin? I have no idea. The big the big rooster. I... <laughs> <laughs> it's His... not that the grand the grand Robin, the royal Robin. The I think that Robin? might you might be close there. I'm I think he and quick. his wife go to Red Robin. They oil they they order the 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 royal Robin. Uh, sands everything but the egg, so they just order bun and egg and then they cut it in half and eat it like a couple of old fogies <laughs> it's the royal red robin that's what it's called oh my god you got it oh <laughs> uh, i mean this is great though because sam's gone so you and i can drop the facade we can quit acting like we're woke and we can talk about all our conservative opinions so yeah uh, you just uh you just joined the gun podcast this is all guns all the time right here what new revolvers have you purchased recently? <laughs> I've got a bunch of them, actually. <laughs> uh, I go through phases where I like uh, kind of fixate on something and I end up with a whole bunch of it. And then like three months, I'll just stop thinking about it altogether and it'll yeah, be can, like it never happened. I can see the artwork on your wall behind you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All my thrift store artwork. It actually, it does work really well. It'd work better if it was over wood paneling. Like, but oh man, I should get some of that. It, it would really make the mystique work a lot better. I think it would be like, it would be traumatic for me though, because I'd be like back in my church basement, like at a junior church meeting, we'd be singing, <laughs> uh, you know, Onward Christian Soldier or something. You guys had a gun and a buck skull on the wall in your church? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just about. <laughs> oh my god i do at some point i want to do like an episode where we get into like children's church songs that people remember absolutely that's sticking their head i i was talking about this in the discord the other day but did you did you guys ever sing the happy christian cowboy song no (laughs) no we never did (laughs) that was that was unique though okay so it would go so we had this like really old lady that taught junior church on wednesday nights mrs langston and she was just like this sweet old lady just i don't know a thousand years old like a month like she 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 was like when she wasn't in church she was like in a sarcophagus or something (laughs) (laughs) and she played the acoustic guitar oh i was expecting piano yeah i was definitely thinking piano yeah she would like bring her guitar and she'd take it out and then she'd just start strumming away and we'd sing like the four songs that she knew every Wednesday and one of them was I'm a happy Christian cowboy going down that winded trail I'm a happy Christian cowboy going home yeehaw 
with my Bible <laughs> in my saddle to help me win my battles. I'm a happy Christian cowboy going home. Yeehaw! <laughs> and then there was like an extended like uh, yippee yippee-i-yo sort of thing. But that was my favorite. And that's the only one that I remember other than uh, Christian soldiers, which I think everybody sang that. I'll do a, uh, I think they did. I'll do a shameless plug for Behind the Bastards. Uh, go listen to the episodes about John Wayne. And so you can learn how everything that you think you know about modern, like about cowboys is all uh, right-wing propaganda made up by Christian nationalists. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I So I'm reading this book right now. I, I don't read books. Okay. So whenever you hear me say I read books or I'm reading a book, that means I'm listening to an audio book about 50% of the time. Okay. And does right now mean over the last six month period in little snippets? Or no, is this like is maybe like thing? a week, maybe okay. like a week and a half. And I'm okay, almost done with still, it. That's still a pretty good timetable. That's pretty fast. So it's called Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. Have you ever heard of this? Oh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Never okay. read it, but, I, but I've, uh, I've read The Road and a few of his other things. He's awesome. Yeah, The Road, and then uh, he, uh, what's the, like, the greatest movie ever made? What is that? Um, uh, the greatest? With Anton Chigurh, and he's got the cat. Oh, oh, No Country for Old Men. Okay. God, yes. Why did I not, well, I couldn't think of it. Yeah, so anyways, I'm I'm in the middle of this, uh, this, like, Western novel called Blood Meridian, and it's more like what I imagine the West was like, just a band of sociopaths riding into a town destroying it and then scalping people yeah it's probably a lot closer although like a lot of the cowboys like the actual working hands were actually like poor immigrants and stuff and uh not not as many like rugged bearded white guys real men you know out there on the range like it was actually like the working class has kind of always been the working class (laughs) and Eh, uh, i don't like that at all the hats weren't quite as white (laughs) and quite as big Supposed to just like some poor folks rounding up cows. I don't know. And and a lot of rapists, a lot of rapists. So if yeah. you want to learn about uh, actual pedophile, John Wayne. <laughs> oh my God, really? Well, okay. I mean, was she a little bit underage? Sure. Was he cheating on his wife uh, with this underage girl? Yes. Did the studio buy him an apartment that she could live in near his set so that he could... Uh, be cheating on his wife with this underage girl while he was making movies yes all those things actually happened are we talking but about he... john wayne or john f kennedy uh this time john wayne but i think which, <laughs> <laughs> it also works for john f kennedy but the good i don't think is, he was, she was underage uh he dies from cancer that he gets playing genghis khan on a nuclear test site and that's all a real story so behind the bastards john wayne <laughs> holy smokes well <laughs> he, i was always was... more of a clint eastwood guy I'm sure he's the worst too, but he's still alive. So we might not find out quite as much. Like I, I think mostly Clint Eastwood's insufferable and maybe that's just as he's gotten older and you have to listen to him, like have opinions about things, but he was really good at acting in those movies. I'll give him credit. Yeah. I feel like he's produced some good movies too. And then he's also produced some just awful movies. Well, anybody who's in movies for like 70 straight years, like you got to assume it's fine. Dude, it, yeah, if you, okay, if if you could go back 30 years in time and you said to a person who was a movie buff, you're like, Robert De Niro is going to suck. He's going to put out just turd after turd where he's like, you know, the rascally grandpa next to like Zac Efron or something like that. Like, 
nobody would believe you, but it's absolutely true. Like he hasn't made anything good in a long time. No, that's, you need to go back in time and tell people like, this is why you need to budget and save for retirement because like actual movie <laughs> star, you know, one of the greatest actors of all time is obviously doing this for the money. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, the, the, definitely the Clint Eastwood low point was when he gave that speech to the empty chair the empty at the chair. RNC. Yeah, yeah, because before that, I think everyone thought of him as like the gravelly, old, cantankerous, but like, you know, man's man actor type guy. And then he did that and you're like, oh, OK, so you're you're an idiot just like everybody else. Like, great. Now we have to listen to your opinions. Yeah, so if you're too young to remember this part, or maybe you just somehow missed it, which I don't know, you've done good so far, don't don't even look it up. But back in like, I don't know, it would have been in the run up to like the 2012 election, maybe. Yeah, I believe it was the Republican National Convention before the 2012 election. Yeah, and Clint Eastwood was going to be a speaker at the RNC. And he gave a speech to an empty chair as if it was Obama. And it was, it didn't work at all. It was like, it was really uncomfortable. The audience was like clearly not sure what to make of it. And it lasted way too long. And it was just like, oh my God, this guy who, you know, you've watched in all these movies and kind of idolized or whatever, like, oh, he's kind of turned into a fumbling idiot. Are you describing the speech or like his last like five or six movies? Because everything you said, I think applies to both. Did you watch The Mule? No. 85 year old, however old he is, Clint Eastwood. Like it actually, the story is kind of interesting. It's like a critique of the American healthcare system and whatever. I I believe it's the healthcare system. Like, cause he he starts like trafficking drugs and stuff because he needs money uh, as this old guy. But then like he directed this movie. So I'm assuming he's the one who decided he should get to have the threesome with like two young prostitutes. In no, the movie. really? Yeah. Yep. That's where you're like, Oh, I don't, not to be a prude here. I don't know if the movie needed this Clint. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe things were better when like a geriatric sex scenes. Like, well, they, they, they show away. him like taking off his Velcro shoes, like yeah, his they orthopedics. Cut <laughs> they cut away at a tasteful time, I think probably because uh, they didn't have enough budget to pay the actresses to actually be in the scene with him. <laughs> but I think, I feel like that's his last five or six movies where like, there's genuinely, he has some good ideas in there and he's an old guy who's willing to be seen as an old cantankerous guy on film and like i think he actually can make some really good stuff but then there's enough of those things where you're like oh man come on didn't he also make american sniper was that was also him wasn't it i think he might have and, and that's all of our, that's a lie if you're if you're listening to this because you're a fan of our guests like look i'm sorry just hang in there we'll we'll get to it yeah yeah american <laughs> sniper was definitely my nobody that's a, nobody that's joining this because they're a fan of our guests that are on this episode is gonna be like yeah, American Sniper, ridiculous, you know. That's true. Well, I, I think it's ridiculous just from reading his book. Did you ever read Chris Kyle's book? No, no. In his own book that he presumably wrote himself, he talks about how much he likes killing people and how much he enjoyed war and how totally rad it was to go kill brown people. Like, uh, I have a hard time, even as a fairly indoctrinated college student, I came away reading that book like, yikes. Like, <laughs> this dude... I'm happy, like I'm. I appreciate on one level that we have people like him in our country to go do violence to people when we need it. On the other hand, 
in, from his own words, I don't get the impression that his violence really moved the needle a whole lot for America in any way that matters. Like, it really seems like he just liked killing people. <laughs> and thankfully, the U.S. military was there to give him an outlet. Like, Oh, my God. Yeah, I... It's I much mean, like the lone survivor thing. Like once it's all said and done, no one's now gonna like no one's gonna say anything bad because you know they're fallen heroes, and so none of the facts actually matter. Like, and it, the facts aren't that like they're amazing or they're horrible. It's the reality is a lot grayer for all these type things. But they've right. just been lionized to the point where like that's it. Clint Eastwood's gonna make a movie about you. Bradley Cooper's gonna play you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're in this weird space where like there there really isn't like a an anti-war like contingent in america anymore no there's it's just like, like this like weird war like, and then like pro the troops anti-war which <laughs> what does it matter they like, switch places depending on who's advocating for like the current con- like conflict right. that we're looking at the fact that all our wars can be done but our military budget went up again interesting <laughs> 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 we just have the pro-military and the more pro-military party and to be like i've got family members in the military i'm not like trying to dog the military it but it's oh man i am kind of tired of like the lionization of anything from the war in iraq in film as like a big old heroes going to do big old hero stuff when like our biggest big old hero like in his own book is just like yeah as soon as i was back over there like getting in combat, shooting people, kicking down doors. This is amazing. I love this more than anything. I love this more than my family. I love this more than my country. Well, I don't love anything more than my country except Jesus, but I really love killing those brown people. Anyway, like <laughs> it's it's a disturbing book. It's weird because like, so, okay, you your your description initially was accurate about the other book that I've been reading slash listening to, which is uh, The Storm of Steel by Ernst Younger. Okay. Who's like this German? He's very much like a man's man that was in World War One and was a war hero and stuff like that. And generally, like the takeaway from World War One is that it's like this horrific, unnecessarily brutal and awful conflict, you know, with with no redeeming values. Like that's usually mm-hmm. the line that people take. Pretty much everybody on every side agrees. Yeah. Ernst Younger is not like a he's like this weird middle ground that that i feel like people in society right now don't have a way to contextualize because he like fully acknowledges how awful all this stuff was but then he kind of like views it as this like culling process that like sharpens people into uh you know like full-fledged human beings like he 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 has like a deep respect for like martial values you know which we as americans i feel like we act like we don't respect those things until there's a conflict that we in particular like and then we're like yeah you know ukraine blah 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 but uh um yeah it's just it's weird to to hear that perspective out of somebody who was there and did it and saw the worst like it's one thing to read about somebody who who is like glorifying war and conflict and 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 martial values and all that stuff like prior to world war one when it was all just theory and legend and like you know high-minded ideals and stuff like that it's another thing to read those things coming from someone who like lived in mud and and body parts and stuff like that for for years you know 
and I don't, I don't know. It's, it's just hard to really like uh, put yourself in that person's shoes and, and understand like where they're coming from. But who knows? Maybe we'll get our chance. I mean, you and I are kind of old and fat to, yeah, to so get we're, drafted we're at this point. Draft. We're definitely not going to get our chance. <laughs> we're just the right age to die in a nuclear holocaust, though. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. Everybody's that age. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as discriminatory as the draft. Have you ever gone on to like the nuclear detonation maps where you can like pick the size of the bomb and then do you drop it on major cities and just see like, am I good where I live? Now you live in Wichita, Kansas. So I imagine you're good for almost all of those scenarios. Like We have an Air Force base. Yeah, but it's like real in the middle of the country. Like it's not going to get hit first. Are you saying our planes aren't real? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) No, the planes are real. I'm just saying (laughs) you may not be on the top 10 targets. That's all I'm saying. Kim Jong-un's got to throw that missile a long ways to hit Wichita. <laughs> hey, they probably have already made a propaganda video where they've already hit you. So <laughs> in the hearts and minds of the North Korean people, you're dead. Dude, I would love to see their like depictions of, of how they would bomb the U.S. And it's just like big trap doors on a bomber opening and, and Kim like holding a bomb out of the door and like dropping <laughs> No, I've never gone on those sites. I've I've heard about those, but I've never actually like gone on them and tried them. It for for you and me, it's really reassuring because I can look and be like, oh, you know, even with like the biggest bombs that have ever been detonated, I'm still far enough away, and I'm I'm within easy driving distance of a couple major cities, and I'm still good. Now, it's not going to be good for everything around me. Like, I'm not saying it's going to be great, but like, I'm not going to get incinerated immediately in the blast. I'm going to die in the fighting shortly afterwards. <laughs> I get to die of cancer, like most fat Midwesterners. <laughs> not not if you go aggressive right after, like right out of the gate. Like, uh, you know, do you play like Warzone or or Battlegrounds or anything like that? Fortnite? I guess, yeah, I don't okay. really make it very far. Oh, well, so maybe you can relate to this. You ever have a round where you're like, we're just going to land, like we only have 10 minutes left where I got to go do something. We're just going to go aggressive right from the beginning. Like win big, lose big, like lose big. You ever done one of those rounds? Yeah. Okay. That's what you got to do. When the bombs hit, you're just like, all right, you got to get the taste for human flesh out of the way immediately. <laughs> and then like, yeah, you're probably not going to make it for six months. So do you want to drag that out while your cancer gets worse? Or do you want to go out like a hero, like lighting your truck on fire and driving naked through the town, like screaming out the window like a legend? That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I am. I am a fan of that strategy. It's never worked out for me in video games, but maybe real life will be easier. You know, (laughs) have you ever watched videos of that giant Russian nuke that they detonated in like the 50s? Zarbamba. Zarbamba. Yeah. So cool and awful. That's one of my fun trivia stories that I like to talk to people about, about how like you're like this, too, because you're like an old history nerd. You've got those like no society's always been horrible stories or like yeah can you believe the crazy things that we used to do i love telling people about czar bomba just the idea that the russians were like all right we're gonna make it this big and then someone was like wait that might crack the earth's crust also it might set that atmosphere on fire (laughs) and if we do that we're not sure how to put that out like if we burn all the atmosphere we think we're all gonna die and they were like all right half as big do you want to flex your muscles or do you want to make new volcanoes right (laughs) but i could just appreciate that someone was like oh well okay well obviously that's insane let's scale it back to only 200 times bigger than the than any other bombs we've detonated and let's see how that goes and i guess it went well enough they did it once and they were like 
yep, that was enough. And probably the person who advised against the 100 megaton or whatever was version was probably like, whoo, because didn't the shockwave go around the world like seven times or something? I mean, it was a big one. It was a lot. It was a big boom. Yeah. yeah. There was a, <laughs> they were talking about, we were watching something the other day and they were talking about there's an island off the coast of Russia that had people on it. They didn't even evacuate the people before the test and just like, <laughs> It just like flattened them. And, uh, well, it's Russia. Like they're that's their strategy for a lot of things. Like they yeah. probably saw that as like, well, obviously they're gonna die for the glory of this nuclear bomb test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Russia's military strategy in every war is like when you <laughs> it's like when you used to play Goldeneye and you're like, all right, no guns this round, only punches. <laughs> <laughs> and like nobody else obeys the rules no guns no potato <laughs> only punches we're gonna like, we're just gonna mound we... up human bodies until we form a wall and the invaders can't get into russia and it works because it's <laughs> negative 35 degrees and everyone else is starving and they're like yeah like if you look at if you look at maps of how far the germans made it into russia you're like oh yeah they had no chance like all of that death and they made it that far and the russians are like yeah we're just gonna keep having babies like by the time you get back we're gonna be good to go <laughs> human capital is uh is something that they're very comfortable with especially yeah. back in the it is weird too when you look at like all these different like conflicts that russia's been in over the like past few centuries and they always start out really bad Mm -hmm. like they always just start out by just like getting like a huge percentage of the population in whatever the area is just ground into hamburger meat and then at some point like uh the the rest of the population realizes like oh the leadership is just gonna push us into this like like mulcher until like the other side gives up and so they start start fighting back with like a uh like a heretical fury yeah, do you think that's going to happen in Ukraine? Or do you think like modern know. society with like social media that can show people on the Russian side what's actually happening and stuff? Like, do you think that is enough to turn the tide in something like this? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I mean, at this point, it's like hard to even tell what's going on over there. Because, I mean, we've been we've been hearing since the very beginning that like Russia is just getting destroyed. And they are. But the problem is they can get destroyed for a long time. A long time. A like, real long time. They've they've already set Ukraine back like two hundred years in terms of like economic development, and but that's okay because the military industrial complex is just like hot diggity. Because <laughs> if there's anything the U.S. likes doing, it's making weapons, and if we can give them away for goodwill and we can spend military dollars at the same time, we can do this for thirty years. Like there's no bottom. We will, like, we will not pay for anything to benefit our own soldiers. And we're not giving anyone health care, but we are going to help Ukraine. But it's going to be out a, of Russia. It's going to be a golden Christmas again at Mr. Lockheed's house. <laughs> like it ever hasn't been. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they were all out of Iraqi orphanages or whatever. He's like, what are we doing next? Thank goodness. Here comes a bunch of World War II tanks coming over from Russia. <laughs> Just half of them breaking down on the road there. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh what we can God. use to train all of the uh, the the drone pilots who maybe weren't quite sharp enough. You know, they didn't get the good missions. We're like, all right, good. 
guys, you're gonna get some good practice in. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what percentage of our drone pilots are just like in a Las Vegas basement stoned. Like, I mean, we're they're... probably using this to like train AI to fly drones. If we're being honest, <laughs> probably we're like letting Chat GPT like work out its uh its aggression on some some human <laughs> human capital. Well, it keeps having to meet people from the internet, so I'm sure it hates us all already. So that's probably a healthy outlet. We're we're doing a service. We're trying to prevent Skynet. We're letting the computer kill some people. <laughs> but it's okay because they're Russians. And as you just heard us making jokes about history nerds love to make jokes about Russians dying by the millions. <laughs> well, yeah. It, the only uh, people it who just love it more so is often. Russia's czars. They enjoy it more than we do. <laughs> uh Sam's really gonna hate this if he listens to it. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> Anywho, um, so let me introduce our guest this week because this is a little different episode than uh, we've done in the past. So <laughs> we we've had a lot of different kinds of guests on over the over the past couple of years, um, musicians and uh, you know authors and activists, all sorts of different guests. But most of them, like even though they differ a lot kind of come from the same sort of like current viewpoint that we do in that, you know, a lot of them have left the, the, the version of evangelicalism and stuff like that, that they grew up in. And uh, there's only like one other episode. Well, there was two other episodes where we had on people who are still like currently evangelicals in the way that like a lot of us would recognize from our from you know our youth and stuff like that. One of which we published was a pastor from a church in uh, Virginia, I think, or Pennsylvania. Uh, the other of which was a mega church pastor, and we recorded it and we didn't publish it. It was just it just wasn't good, wasn't compelling. It was not something that anybody would care to. Very boring. Um, our guests today are still very much a part of that brand of evangelicalism they're uh not only are they like still a part of the church and still like you know professing those types of i, I keep using still that's not a that's not a good word for that's like a, <laughs> maybe if you can interview them a few more times you'll get them you can do it casey <laughs> i'll just break them down him. the way that i broke sam down <laughs> <laughs> no but uh you know they're they're uh you know definitely a, a part of the church that that we grew up with they're evangelicals and they're kind of like uh creating their own ministry so they call themselves two for christ and their names are nick and Haley gaglioni so nick is a uh a fitness enthusiast he runs a page called lift with christ and Haley is a singer and performer and her and her sister you know prior to to her and nick get married they made patriotic songs um they made a lot of like songs about you know like uh pro-life songs uh they have a song called back the blue they've done a couple of trump songs um they're real passionate about that kind of stuff and the two of them together are kind of combining their skill sets so nick is kind of like motivational speaker and Haley, you know she does a lot of musical stuff and they're sort of like taking their act on the road and performing for for religious groups and things like that uh they clearly come from a very different viewpoint than than sam and i occupy and what a lot of our audience thinks you know um and so going into this thing 
we we found them because uh there was a video going around and a bunch of you sent it to us of of them doing a christian version of eye of the tiger where uh nick does some freestyle rapping and Haley sings and they kind of like apologetic style change the lyrics to be uh christian in nature and it it's fun you know it's great they, they don't take themselves super seriously so like to them this is like a fun thing and some people laughed some of the internet got real mean you know typical internet stuff but uh going into this interview we thought okay we clearly have very different viewpoints on a lot of different things what we don't want to do is turn this into some stupid debate where we like retreat to our separate trenches and fire shots at each other about abortion or whatever else um we did get into some of those topics some of which we disagreed on for sure but uh our goal was not to like turn this into some sort of hostile gotcha interview type of thing um we wanted to talk to these guys because we thought they were fun you know and uh and they were they're very nice people and some of what they say you probably eh, you're probably not gonna like but they're good people, and uh, they just come from a different viewpoint and mindset than than a lot of us do. So, uh, without further ado, here is our conversation with Two for Christ, Nick and Haley Gaglioni. And we're back with our guests, Nick and Haley Gaglioni. How are you guys doing? So Fantastic. Good. We're in our attic. Not attic. Basement. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of an attic. Nice. What does what does your banner say behind you? I think a lot of uh, a lot of Ohio houses have basements. So mm-hmm. found out. Yeah, Maybe. that's such a northern thing. I guess uh, it's a Kansas thing too, because otherwise, like, eventually you get swept away by a storm. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I'm from Oklahoma, and we uh, didn't have too much of a problem there. I mean, other cities did, but Tulsa was always pretty good. So, and my mom would always say, she'd say tornado untwist and then we would literally see a tornado about to form and it would be like back up like that pretty cool pretty cool huh. power prayer. just like an airbender yeah so first off before we jump into things mm-hmm. happy anniversary right oh almost. yes almost um, thank you on valentine's day that's next week nice so, one year right. on what is it one one year right Yes, one year and oral. I don't know if you uh, saw that we were pre- uh, pregnant. Did you see that announcement? I think I caught that on the, because you, you mentioned that hey, on the interview. Let with, him uh, tell us. He did his homework. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he yeah. found out the gender on Valentine's Day. It just happened to be that was the earliest they could do it. it. It's actually less homework in case he's a little bit of a stalker. So you might actually still be hearing some of this hey, after we're done here, too. Social media. It's yeah. just a matter of who gets caught. You if know you what I'm have, no, have a social media you're you're a stalker so no nah, as long as you don't hit the double much. tap you know uh, with your thumb you're good dude <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, as long as you don't find yourself parked outside people's windows at night i think we're in the clear mm-hmm. who at this right. point hasn't like uh crept around on someone they hate social media mm-hmm. oh like everybody's done it right yeah yeah yeah, I mean, this shows up to my house, you know, trying to gather info. You know what I mean? It's all good. <laughs> it's what social media is for. Deal. I mean, rules, most rules things for people look at them, right? <laughs> Speaking of that, sure. he was watching that uh, the Predator show. What's his name? Hanson, Chris Hanson. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's all these guys that are like older, and they're meeting 13 year olds, and then you know they have an actress who is not. He's probably 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 18, not 13. 
but she's like, I'm really nervous and stuff. And then as soon as he wants to give her a hug, she leaves. And then Chris comes out and says, hi, I got a show and you you're in trouble, you know, whatever. So it is great to see some of these guys. And then they're like, what's wrong with that? I'm just asking her questions, you know, and it's like, they're super inappropriate questions and yeah, they don't know what to do. It's a kind of crazy, crazy world out there. Always such terrible lies too. Like, oh yeah! Every, every oh, time, I was, like, the lies are so fun. To hang out. Like I was just delivering McDonald's. She she wanted a Happy Meal, and I thought it was fine if I brought it over. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy. <laughs> I just figured it was better for her to buy alcohol from me than you know somebody else. <laughs> Someone clearly crazy. Right. <laughs> so, uh, I well, we we stumbled across your video where you guys did the uh, Christian rendition of Eye of the, Eye of the Tiger. Is oh, that yeah. like your is that like your smash hit so far? Like that seemed like it went pretty viral. Well, um, you know, it did, but because it is not our original song, it got taken down. I don't know if you saw that, but all the oh, parody no. videos are like, you know, the reaction videos are still up because that's like protected. But our video is not, a, it's not, funny it's not well it is funny but it's not like supposed to be funny <laughs> like we weren't okay That's so crazy i actually thought parody was acceptable it no it no it is but while our video while people did laugh at it the lyrics are not made in a funny way necessarily it's not supposed to make you laugh even though we did it for fun so, so that's the line so for parody dumb. huh it's not just like changing it for a different yeah, that's wild. Know, i actually never really would have thought much about that so that's interesting to learn we also kept a lot of the same lyrics especially the title of the song instead of like eye of the savior or like some people are saying why don't you do this or that we just kept eye of the tiger because i'm like you know we'll just change as minimal words as possible because like people like the original song he doesn't sing so i was like okay let's um maybe you could do a rap or something like that and i think that's a huge thing with what rock the boat is uh the original does not have rapping so, and then he comes in, he's just like super excited. It's our first main event that we, uh, first big event that we'd ever done. So that was August of last year, August mm-hmm. 17th. So it was a really good time, but yeah. Yeah, they get lame with anything involving music, it seems like. I guess. Music's yeah, the thing that they songs. on. We actually do have a, a, an original song slash rap coming up pretty soon. We have it written, we just need to get it recorded, so. Oh yeah? Yeah, it actually has some of the same. I'm trying to think of what a good candidate for that would be. Maybe not Stairway to Heaven. What's the uh, (laughs) What's the one with the guy with the Satan shoes that everybody hated for? Um, Little Nas, Little Nas, Nas, Little Nas X. X. Yeah, I definitely don't know any of his music. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're probably gonna start not doing parodies just because it's you just you know some people may be okay with it, but Survivor is not. So you know. Survivor, like the song. Survivor is the no, is, uh, is the band that did Eye of the Tiger. Oh, so that I don't know how that was lost on me. <laughs> what do you say? I don't know how that was lost on me. Uh-oh. I immediately went to uh, to uh, Destiny's Child. Thought we were really going to kick it old school with some Destiny's Child. Is what I was hoping we were going with. <laughs> oh, funny. No, but he's always like the Rocky movies. He's literally wearing the Rocky necklace right now, and you know that's the theme song of the of the series. So. Yeah, I was like, hey, let's just let's do I Have a Tiger. That's a good song. So uh, your events. So like it sounds like you guys have kind of complementary skill sets where like Haley, you do a lot of singing, a lot of the music side of things. And then Nick, you're doing some speaking, some motivational <laughs> Christian oriented type stuff. Like what kind of things are you tackling in your uh, presentations that you're doing? 
Yeah, so for me, I am, so Lift With Christ, you know, hence the name of my company, um, it was inspired by how I became a reborn Christian. So uh, I used to be addicted to painkillers really bad. At the height of my addiction, I was doing over 200 milligrams of oxycodone a day. And I felt that the Lord healed me from my addiction. And I turned that addiction from drugs into fitness. And for okay. me, that's how I really found Christ and started that relationship with him. So um, through my testimony, I want to help people, you know, get off of drugs um, because I know I can do it through Christ. And for me, I think your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you could, you know, stay strict to your diet and you can go to the gym every day, you could accomplish a lot of things in life. You know, so if you can inspire people to go to the gym or just find that outlet that isn't drugs or drinking or partying, you know, my biggest thing for me is just trying to lead people to the Lord in a sort of unique and, and different way, you know. So at the end of the day, like, I feel like my my genre is like younger men, you know, I feel like resonate more with me. But, um, you know, and just trying to guide as many people as possible to Christ just through sharing testimonies and whatnot. Do you ever when you're lifting? Like, you know, people listen to metal or, you know, they'll watch like an action movie or something while they're on the treadmill and stuff. Do you ever think about just like beating the Sackler family to death? <laughs> the Sackler family? Who is it? They were the, uh, they're the Oxycontin uh, people. Oh, no, nah, I, uh, you know, I just, for me, I'm a pretty positive person. So for, it's my own fault. I'm the one who went out and bought, bought them. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, like. I can't blame other people for my own mistakes. Like I was prescribed the painkillers from my, uh, I personally like that route best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, at the same time, if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't be the person who I am today, you know? So it's just uh, everybody, if it's not oxycodone, everybody, you can find different vices. Everybody has their weakness. You know what I mean? So, I mean, through it, when you're able to slay that beast, you know, just like how David slayed Goliath, like you're able to tackle something that you thought that was so hard. You know, you could you could like, wow, I can accomplish so much more. Whenever I'm having like a down day or not one of my best days, I reflect one of my days when I was in the detox center, just like trembling and just like having like tremors and like twitching. And it's like, you know, today ain't that bad. If I went through that, like this is a piece of cake. You know what I mean? So I, I just try to learn from every life experience, good and bad. That's yeah. honestly, that's pretty well. You're a pretty young guy, right? How old are you? 27. 27. So how long, when was this? That you like were already like that you went through the detox center and stuff. Years ago, yeah, seventeen well, through nineteen. Yeah. Um, my, my wow. first surgery was I was a junior in high school, and my last surgery was my uh, first year in college. Okay, so you were prescribed these, and that's where the the whole the thing kicked off. You were talking surgery. Yeah, because I was prescribed. It's the Sacklers. Casey was right. <laughs> I was right. Yeah, so it's uh, getting getting prescribed them, and then um, because I built up a tolerance, I just naturally have a, like a high metabolism, you know. So my tolerance for them kept increasing, right? And then I knew people that I could get them from. That oh, I one person approached me one time in high school, and I was just like, oh no way. And then once I was like, my tolerance was getting up, I was like, uh, I might reach out to that dude. You know what I mean? So, um, I just, it just escalated. And at the height of my addiction, I was doing over 200 milligrams of oxycodone a day. And I thought it was justified because I'm like, well, if a doctor's giving this to me, it's, it should be fine for me to take, you know, and I'm a 17, 18 year old kid going through this. So I, I don't know any better. And I was just so accustomed to taking them that it was almost like breathing in a sense, you know, you, I needed to have oxycodone that day in order for me to function like a normal person. Oxycodone and oxygen. Wow. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. Oxycodone. So I, you, uh, I keep hearing the something? 200. 
keep hitting the 200 milligrams tonight. So I just did a quick Google search because I don't know that a lot of people know. I didn't. So I had to look it up. Uh, and I assume I'm smarter than most people. So other people probably don't know it. And nine milligrams every 12 hours with food is like the d- general doctor prescribed dose. And then it says usually not more than, uh, yeah, nine milligrams every 12 hours. So yeah, uh, 200 is a lot. Uh, it sounds. Yeah. They, they yeah, got real loosey with those recommendations, though. Mm-hmm. I think at some point they started making like Oxycontin pacifiers and stuff. They got real wild with it. <laughs> did you, uh, so did you know other people like was when you were in the middle of that, like, did you know other people that were going through the same thing? Or was that something that was kind of like a, was that a secret that you were sort of bearing on your own? Yeah, it was definitely a secret. Like it was just, and the thing is, I naturally am a pretty bubbly personality. So I, when I was in high school, I could play it off so well. And if I did something goofy, this is like, oh, that's just gags being gags. You know what I mean? Because I was just, especially in high school, like I didn't care. You know, I cared more about making my friends laugh than getting good grades when I was in high school. <laughs> you know, so I was just, uh, it's something that I kept to myself. And uh, I just, people, most people in high school were either drinking or doing marijuana. And my vice was painkillers. So I was, I really didn't know anybody else that, you know, had the same addiction or problem that, that I did. So it was just sort of me and my own little island. I just tried to figure things out for myself. Were you in a Christian environment at that time? Uh, no. So I went to a private school up through seventh grade and then eighth grade, I switched. Up. I knew it had to be private school when you said there was a kid who was selling pills. It's always private school kids who have, <laughs> they got it. The private school is where you well, no, no, but what he's actually saying is that um, when he went through his addiction, it was actually in high school. So it's as you would expect from a, from a public school now. I've never been to public school, but he went to Christian through seventh grade and then eighth grade he went on. Yeah, eighth grade was when I started going to public school. Yeah. So it was eighth grade through 12th um, grade. Oh, but, so but, dirty, but, rotten heathens. Okay. No, but be, uh, growing up in a Christian school, never went to anywhere besides Christian and homeschool. Uh, there were kids in, in my school that did a lot of drugs too and you know doing all kinds of different stuff. Yeah, yeah I don't think drugs discriminate uh, in general. I think <laughs> right. drugs pretty – that levels the playing field when it comes to people thinking they're mm-hmm. all doing all right. I uh, Shout out homeschoolers. I was, I'm a fellow homeschooler. I uh, let's you had to buy pills from his mom. Yeah, I did. I, I, the only <laughs> pills I got were the ones I took from my parents' medicine cabinet. Uh, well, I was going to yeah. say, ironically – I didn't, I didn't do that. <laughs> When I've spoken at like AA meetings or when I've spoken to like past addicts, most of them are actually Christians. They found Christ through their addiction, you know? So like, at least for me, through like the circles of people that I was with, most of them, you know, that are on the other side actually are Christians that, that compared to like atheists or different other religions, you know? So at least that's at least what I've seen through my own walks of life and people I've interacted with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's kind of a central common. tenant of like AA and, and things like mm-hmm. that. Right. Like that was a higher power belief in a higher power and something bigger than yourself yeah mm-hmm. did you guys both grow up christian i'm just guessing because growing up christian is the name <laughs> yeah sure did yep i was uh, a christian school kid so what what kind of christian school did you go to um i don't know it was a non-denomination but we are charismatic we, we were raised that way in our church anyway um okay so we believe in speaking in tongues and healing and all that kind of stuff and i was well, went to a catholic school through seventh grade so not Christian. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Would the, do you remember what kind of curriculum you guys used at your school? Curriculum. Uh, what, what, well, there's like a few different brands of like Christian school curriculum. Like mine was accelerated Christian education was like the books and stuff that we used. I don't know oh, if there was wow. like a, a, 
a franchise one that you guys used? You know, I don't know about from school, but in homeschool, I think it was like maybe a Becca or I'm forgetting now yeah. the names. That's the big one. like the heavy hitter. So, um, which ones has the yellow English books and the green science, the blue English? That's ACE. ACE? Had the little, yeah, that was what I went to. It has the little comic strips with the little Christian kids in them. Maybe that's what it was. I don't recognize that name, but maybe that um, that's probably it. We kind of switched between. It was forgettable. <laughs> yeah, I had a computer one and I had written ones. I love the computer one better. Written ones are just, I don't know. It's And there's eight of us, so it was very hard for my mom to like take care of, you know, make, grade each kid's stuff. So sometimes I had to grade our own stuff. But anyway. <laughs> Always. Uh, you yeah. were a straight A student then, weren't you? Uh, no, I was not a straight A student. Only in English. And math, I barely, I barely graduated uh, because I was not doing well in math. But I think I, what do you, you need a D to pass? I think is that right? You need a D. At least you can get at least one. I think. Okay. I, I think my transcripts were mostly entirely made up, so I. Oh, I'm not exactly <laughs> yeah, well, the right person to ask here. Isn't <laughs> that he's a super math guy, and I'm a super English. So you might even catch me in this interview saying. Nick, don't say have overcame, say have overcome, <laughs> you know, or whatever, this and that. But <laughs> I prefer come. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, so Haley, you grew up like very conservative Christian, like your whole, I, th- I think I heard you say you got saved at a pretty young age, right? Four years old. Nice. Okay. So would, would you say that you were like pretty devout, like all, I mean, your whole life, did you have a point at which you like, uh, I don't want to say like if, were less so or like you, you know, everybody kind of has like these weird turning points in their life and in their faith where they're like, you know, went to summer camp and you're like, I'm recommitting my life to Christ. Oh, did you have that? Was it an ebb and flow sort of thing? I did not have that. And I also didn't have like a backsliding stage either. Um, I didn't give my parents a lot of trouble, (laughs) but his moment was when he got off drugs. Um, You know, it's hard to say since I did get saved at such a young age, I didn't always think that I would go to church until I was like well, I don't know, 18 or something like that. I, I told my dad, I was like, would you go to church if I wasn't telling you, uh, you know, to go? Cause like under my roof, everyone goes to church. And I was like, I don't know, you know? And he's like, okay, you need to figure that out, whatever. And I thought about it and I was like, I, I would, I still would because it's, it's a good thing. It's always made sense. And Bible says, do not forsake the gathering together of the saints. So I was like, yeah, I think I will. So yeah, we do. Well, I got saved at six. So you have two years on me. Um, you were a heathen for two years longer than I was. But And probably a lot more than two years, depending on when you uh, track my exodus from <laughs> my inherited faith. But so maybe we're looking at like 20 years at this. It's hard to even put my finger on it now. Sam still calls himself a Christian, but nobody considers him one. But Christians don't, so I've just kind of stopped even trying. I was like, <laughs> ah, fuck it. I guess we're over that. <laughs> it's not working. No, it's like uh, generally you get pushback. So it's like, or I have to explain myself for too long, and it just becomes easier to be like, whatever you will think I am is what I am to you. Oh, so see. we'll just just we'll resign well, to that. We were all raised Christian, but two of my brothers say they're atheists. I don't know if they really are or just they, it's convenient to be or, you know, I'm not sure. But I know that they the Bible says that you um, if you are if you train a child in the way they should go when they're old, they won't depart from it. So, so your parents failed. Um, You know, 
they do the best they could, just like anybody else. Um, but everyone. Okay, has- mine, mine did too. I think most do. I I always find that funny because there's like this. There's also uh, it says like it talk when it's the few passes where it talks about like um, uh, prerequisites for being like in leadership, like a pastor or something. I don't even. Maybe it's relegated to deacons as well. But it's like that same applies like well if you can't if you can't keep your own kids in the fold then how are you gonna raise like have be be responsible for an entire flock and that one is seems super clear in the bible and i see so many pastors with kids who go fuck this and then take off and then they still get to be pastors i it's always that's it's like I, i've always found that one super interesting anybody they, what do you mean they still go on to be pastors later no, like the pastors aren't fired for their kids. Because I, I knew someone who went to a church whose pastor was fired because their kid de- like defected from the faith. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. actually a really solid level of biblical literalism. I don't respect the outcome, but I you know, appreciate your commitment to the cause. <laughs> wow. Well, I think a lot of times in ministry that um, it's hard to have time for your kids or it's it can be difficult to make to make time, you know, because everybody else is calling for you. Everyone else needs you. And it's calling in the middle of the night. My dad was a pastor for seven years and he'd get late night calls. He would be ministering to people. So, you know, when you have people that are really pulling at you for help, then it's easy to help them first before your own kids. And your kids are not always asking you for help either. You know? Yeah. It's not super, it's not very fair to like, I don't know. People as a, you know, they get to, they come of age and they have, periods where they come and go and it just i mean everybody goes a little different direction to end up at the at the point at which like they feel like they are in control of what they believe and and they've made those choices for themselves and yeah i don't it's really not fair to like blame parents for that sort of thing i don't i I really don't think so i hope that came across as a joke (laughs) oh no totally don't think about um christianity i think is god gave us a choice I mean, he, he could have made us robots and said, you have to worship me. You have to be a Christian. But the fact that we don't have to be makes it more beautiful when we choose to be. That's my opinion. You know what I mean? Because he or else he wouldn't have put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. Right. Because that was tempting. The snake was in the garden. So because of that, they had a choice to disobey God, you know, and unfortunate for all so of you're us. You're not a Calvinist. <laughs> I am not a Calvinist. Um, but what Nick, is that? You're not a Calvinist, are you? Because that wouldn't bode well for your guys' review. Oh, man. I am very familiar with Calvinists. And with all I respect their, the fact that they uh, they defend the faith. You know, but I... I, I just long From story, other Christians. <laughs> no. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I would say through people I've interacted with on social media after the Eye of the Tiger, I'd say most of the comments that I got were, were from them, like just on their opinions of it. And, well, I think a lot of atheists saw it too. We had a lot of atheist comments and some people said, now I'm an atheist because of this video. <laughs> well, that was easy. Um, anyway. Well, it's not on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was interesting. We hadn't ever seen so many atheists rolling at one place before because my sister and I have a couple viral videos and I don't know. I, both of them were political videos, and so maybe they're just people that didn't that didn't support our stance, but not necessarily atheists. But you just never know. You just never know. So. Well, but, politics is the true religion, so it's. Well, sure that, that brought people out more than you could. That's why that shit goes viral. That's why people come out yeah. in droves to respond to. It doesn't matter what side it's on. It's like uh, no, I think nothing makes people want to troll other people on the internet more than 
uh, <laughs> differences of political opinion, <laughs> even yeah. more than Calvinists. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, we will never That's... all agree. But it's become more of a spiritual matter um, as the sides have gone so different ways, you know? Like, I believe that the Bible stands more as a Republican conservative side. Um, you know, we are pro-life and believe in gun rights and, you know, just regular uh, yeah. human rights, yeah. and, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah. Gun rights. <laughs> gun rights. <laughs> I, su I support those gun rights. The rights to bear arms and arm yeah. bears. So, yeah. It's like one of the only episodes I've ever done where I don't have a gun hanging over my head. Oh, really? Mm. Part of my set piece, but I'm here at the stupid Hampton Inn this week. And they just wouldn't let him bring a gun in. He's just like, this is ridiculous. So instead, it's sitting <laughs> just in his car, in. fully just loaded, like just in case. <laughs> I don't want to be coming in here looking like Stephen Paddock or anything. Does it at least have Continental Breakfast? Yeah, I'm and sure Continental Soldiers. We don't go to a hotel that doesn't have Continental Breakfast, so we're always... We're always on the search for. Well, I was gonna say, if you brought yeah, that gun with you, you probably wouldn't struggle getting first in line. You just you see a guy with a gun, like, all right, he can have the eggs, you know? <laughs> yeah, you like put the soggy Danish down. <laughs> yeah. Why are the baked goods always wet? I don't understand. <laughs> we're going feel... to um, we're going to the WrestleMania in LA in April, and we found a really uh, well. We're not paying for the hotel as dad is, but they have like the best continental breakfast. for really in for a treat so i'm looking forward to that nice. nice i don't think it's worth going to a hotel without a continental breakfast and every time we have it's always been a big regret it just and it, it, i regret not having it more than i always regret eating continental breakfast yeah mm. and you know what i have found too with the really nice hotels they have the good view but the beds are harder they don't have a microwave or a fridge oftentimes and they don't have the continental breakfast so it's just like I'm much more comfortable in the cheaper hotels in general. Yeah, no fridge in a hotel room is one of the most bullshit things anyone it's could do. It's not acceptable. Yeah, yeah. Room. You really like okay. You want to be comfortable. You need to stay at a hotel like a Hampton Inn, where a fat, depressed businessman like myself <laughs> is gonna, uh, you know, lay in bed and and you know watch uh, Seinfeld reruns until they fall. Asleep. I literally watch a Seinfeld. <laughs> rerun for the first time it was on netflix it was the first episode maybe that he ever did and i i got an appreciation for him because i really didn't know i just knew his theme song and i but i i didn't have an appreciation for him because i had just seen him on like miranda sings and just like other things that are he's older and they're making fun of him or something like that but it's nice to see him shine he's just young man just being funny and all oh, quite a guy classic tis, so tis. uh okay so you've made some political videos you made some some now you're like getting into you're doing more uh, faith based stuff. Obviously, there's a lot of awful people that comment mean things and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Not very interesting. Right. But was there any people did anybody say anything like a quip or a, a little comment or something that stuck out to you as like particularly funny? Yes. Uh, so uh, a lot of people were calling me vanilla Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, yeah, exactly. I thought it was hilarious. So if you guys go on my merch store, I actually have vanilla Christ merchandise because of it. Cause I was just, it was just gold. And Literally in our next video, he's going to be done in the hat and the shirt. Yeah. And I don't want to spoil too much, you know, cause I definitely like, I try to look at what happened objectively. You know, I don't take any comments good, bad, you know, I don't take much of it personally. 
you know, I just tried, I tried to learn from it, you know, see what, if people are critical, why they're critical, are they being trolls? Do they actually want to help me? Vice versa. You know, it may um, be if for- you, no one on the internet wants to actually try to help you. That is not <laughs> what the internet is for. <laughs> Only people that you know, and the people that you know, get offended for you. And they're like, I know this girl, I know her sister. She's so nice. Please take this down if you have any respect. And to me, I'm like, no, just let them, just let them. It's just giving us um, airtime. You know what I mean? It's like, it's yeah. fine. I know it looks a little goofy, but we're not going to take ourselves too seriously. I wish it didn't get pulled down. I hope people don't think it's because we are embarrassed because we, we uh, wished it could have gone. Don't have shame. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> not he, ashamed. He knows that he doesn't always clap on beat. He knows that he's not a musician or like, you know, this and that, but. We wanted to collab on something, and I thought it was a really great memory. I, I wish we could do it again, but I feel like they'll send us a cease and desist to do, where we can't even perform it ever live. We'll, we'll see. But, yeah, that's why we're working on getting our own stuff out so that we yeah, can have I think I feel like the rule is you can do whatever you want live to some degree. At least I've seen so many bands just randomly do covers and no one seems to care. So there's got to be some sort of cover law when it's like yeah, if you're yeah. doing it live. I mean, you're doing it like where are you doing these? Churches? It's like. Yeah, it's where, are they, where are you doing your events? I would think if you're not selling it, it should be okay. But maybe that's not the case. Yeah, yeah that's was, another thing. Yeah, I was talking with some people about it, and it's just sort of hit and miss. It depends on who, what group you're doing. Like some people are super chill about it. Some people they throw cease and desist at you. Mm-hmm. You know, so they do uh, anything Disney. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> like I've tried anything Disney. I literally did a whole <laughs> album of uh, parodies of Disney, and it's it still all- up. It was all about Branson. Yeah. Well, um, they're not funny and it's still, and it still is up. I just basically wanted a Branson boom, right? Cause Branson's kind of dying or it was, I don't know if it still is or not, especially around COVID time. And you can't blame me. It was during COVID when I recorded this album. So uh, it was called Branson boom. And it was like a bunch of Disney songs. You know, I just can't wait to be King. I took that song and it was about the road trip to uh, Branson and how, you know, you know, how road trips are fun anyway. And then I talked about the Dolly Parton stampede, like anything that's really big, I mentioned it in the song. And so my biggest one was the bare necessities randomly from jungle book. Yeah. That oh, that's a classic. And then I did a whole other album about Branson, uh, from the sound of music, every sound, every track from the sound of music. And I reworded it to be about Branson. You like Branson, uh, I do like amount. Branson. <laughs> and, and yeah, right. I was there for a couple of years. My first um theater job was I was Mother Mary in the Nativity show at Silver Dollar City. Have you heard of Silver Dollar City? Oh, yeah, I've been there. Okay, so yeah, it's like basically what's Branson sort of built around the, the Marble Cave and Marble, Marble, it was Marble Cave. They found out they didn't have marbles and then they called it Marble Cave, anyway. Um, so I worked there and then the next following year, what's I was, the difference? I don't think I don't think I'm hearing it. Marble versus marble, marble with a B, like rock. But okay. they bought the cave. They realized it wasn't marble; it was limestone. So then they named it Marvel Cave. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope they didn't pay for marble. Yeah, but um, so I did that, <laughs> and then I was, I, I was in a longer show than the following year, 2020. I only did three shows, and then shut down for COVID. Then after a few months, we came back, and it was not the same. So at least we had three shows that were basically sold out. It wasn't a very big hall, but it was a great experience. About two hours show. I did a whole uh, monologue and songs and stuff. So it was a really good, um, like secondary, like a second job for theater. Then I now, well, all last year I worked at the Amish Country Theater, which is here in Ohio. They wanted me to work there a couple of years ago, but because my sister and I had to make all decisions together, she didn't want to move to Ohio. And I was like, I'm not moving by myself. And so we got married Valentine's Day this last year. 
then it made sense to work there because we were only an hour away. So that's um, Millersburg. I don't know if you know where that is, Berlin, Millersburg area. So we're mm-hmm. in Akron. But yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I know Akron. So yeah. But, uh, that had to be, was that like your, did you feel like that show in Branson? Was that kind of like your, man, I'm getting my, I'm getting a foothold and I'm getting moving. And then all of a sudden, like the rugs pulled out from under you on that thing. Um, I wouldn't want to do it again. It, I, I guess <laughs> it would have been cool to do the whole season, but I did enough. Um, and then, you know, I, you know, an understudy is someone that does it for you when you yeah. have to be out. There was two understudies. Um, and I, and I always made sure that when I needed to be out to do whatever I was doing with my sister, music video, whatever, that they were in. Well, I started leaving too many times and they were like, you can't do this. We need the, the cast to gel. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I need to put my two weeks notice in then. They're like, as far as we're concerned, you're out tonight. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, that's, I guess that's okay. So I <laughs> moved back to Oklahoma and my sister and I filmed a song called Back the Blue, which was in support of law enforcement when they were talking about defunding him or whatever. We were like, oh, that's, this is ridiculous. So we made a song and put that out. And that one didn't go as big as our Trump song, but um, it was also pa- kind of past the point of where there was a big craze of the defunding thing. So, but yeah. yeah nothing so was we, smoldering anymore. We went for 10 years and um, we never had a big break. And maybe, I don't know if we were just kind of, kind of too clean. You know, we're very speaky clean um, with our values and everything like that and we're non-compromising so oftentimes if you don't compromise you don't go that far unless you want to go completely into the christian world which we just never did probably should have but we have like you know love songs and other stuff and i was like well i don't know if we want to pull an amy grant here because not everyone views that in a good light and then you go back and do love songs and it's like are you christian or country and it's like we're kind of all of it but Anyway, so, but now I'm just in a different phase uh, after being married and we're doing our Two for Christ events. And uh, speaking of Two for Christ events, the Eye of the Tiger video was not actually a church service. I don't know if you knew that, but people thought that, you know, we are doing a worship song and this was actually just an event they put on because it had a cross in the background. It looks like a church, but it's actually a Christian event center. And um, so we're just having, having some fun. I did 45 minutes of music. He did his preaching and then we just kind of did a fun thing. And they invited us back too. We came back for a uh, Karen Carpenter tribute where he's my Mr. Postman. So that's all. So fun. Karen well, Carpenter tribute. I don't you know, know who Karen you know Carpenter is. You know the Carpenters? I do. Yeah. So that's one thing I do. I've probably done like 20 shows of Carpenters since, since the year 2020 before they announced COVID. It's actually the day after Valentine's Day when I did my first one, 2020. So it has been two, three, wow, three years. It's a long time. Is Karen he's, related to June? 10 times. What'd you say? Oh man, I'm not. No, I'm way off. Sorry, I was. Is Karen what? June June Carter was was the lady that sang with Johnny Cash a bunch and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Karen Carpenter. Um, she was born in like in 19. Oh, I don't know. She she died in 1983. She was only 32 years old, and it was from anorexia. And it wasn't um, anorexia wasn't very it wasn't a very big deal at the time. She raised awareness to that the, the fact that it's actually a problem. So. Yeah. It's poster child. still doesn't seem like it gets a lot of attention, but. Oh yeah, I guess not, but it's a very sad thing. What a, what a horrible thing. Yeah. You know, and all because yeah, of, the fans are saying she looked chubby in her pictures. God <laughs> damn. That's, that's, what, that's then. wild. That hasn't Thanks, changed. Dad. No things. Yeah. That's still the same. Yeah. <laughs> My wife's yeah. like a social media personality and like, huh. it's amazing how mean people. Yeah. Like, dumb junior high kids. Just being mean. 
Yeah, it just in general, in, in this world, you know, you got to have thick skin, you know, no matter what you're doing, because especially with what people say, like, if you don't know them personally, you can't take what people say personally, you know, and it's just, I mean, even if you're a CEO of a company, you know, you're president of a big company, you're always got people underneath you, they're saying, oh, you should be doing this, or should be doing that, you know, and it's just, it's just a life skill that you have to develop in order to be successful, yeah. you know? Honestly, but I they get like... them back pretty good by underpaying everybody. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's even. <laughs> I think everyone. Oh, you guys are funny. How about some mass layoffs? Hated at some point. <laughs> no. The Bible says that um, you know, if you are a Christian, you will be hated and mocked and scorned, and just basically look look forward to that. Not look forward to, but just kind of like, no, it's coming. You know, and it's the same if you stand up for yeah. almost anything. Yeah. I haven't scored. I feel like some people lean any into of that them. a little hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. Okay. So, yes. Well, first off, so you mentioned that like you 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 and your sister you'd done some Christian music, but you didn't really want to like lean fully into that like brand yourself as a Christian act and stuff. Like did you grow up on Christian music or Yeah, Christian music exclusively in Oklahoma is called KXOJ. And it was just, you know, I can only imagine all the time and the, uh, the time. other some other songs. Nothing's changed. I think that one's still on. And so we, we just grew up on that. We didn't we didn't listen to any secular music until we were adults. And uh, we started singing at a golf course. We were actually at a um, at a flea market and I was just singing while I was walking. And there was this old like maybe 72 year old man said, oh, you got a nice voice. Um, I got a golf course. I want you to come sing at for money. And um, I showed him my sister, we sang together. He's like, all right, both of you, we're going to pay you $200, sing for four hours. <laughs> no, it's $400 for four hours. And um, we did that a couple of times. It became too much, too long. So he said, okay, we're going to a long time. He said, now two <laughs> hours for 200 bucks. He said, but when you go to other places, you charge them $400 for 200 bucks. But you, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm paying you twice a week. So you give me a deal, you know? So we're like, okay. So he's, he started us off on it. He gave us some money to record some of our music. And I don't know if he's on, online, but we have six albums now. And two of them are on Spotify. One's wow. called Snowing Again. One's called Rocky Road. So, yeah, three country, one Christian, one patriotic, and one, what did I say, Christmas? Christmas. And that's one of our best ones, honestly, Snowing Again. We have a lot of music. We have a lot of videos of Christmas on our YouTube. You'd think we are just completely Christmas singers. But <laughs> I started. have a question. Because, yes. so you said you're going to, you're going to, a WWE event, right? Yes. Yes. So I, this is, so cr growing up Christian. No, I'm yeah, yeah, I'm just dragging him along to see Roman Reigns. You know? <laughs> but like, so the, the Christian thing and the only, like only Christian music, did you, were you, a, Haley, were you into wrestling at all? Or is that something that Nick got you into or I, is dragging I, you along to? I had never heard of WWE and. um Okay. I had to. Well scripted. I was like, how did has anyone take this seriously? Like it's not any nothing's real about it. But just kind of like you watch a movie and you know it's all scripted. I guess that's how they view it. I don't know. Our sort I, of the only reason I was her sorry, go ahead, of anarchy I was gonna say her trade-off is like I'll watch her Disney movies if she watched wrestling. So like okay. she's watched the Royal Rumble recently and she's like, I wanted to watch Lion King. I'm like, oh, you did watch the Rumble. Yeah, I'll watch Lion King with you. You know, so that's sort of our trade. Right. He watched <laughs> the reason so I'm proud of him. The reason I was asking is because growing up, my parents were like absolutely unequivocally against wrestling of any, like we were not allowed to watch it. It was like, this shit's bad. It's, 
it's ridiculous it's glorifying violence the it's all everything about it it's over sexualized if there's women wrestlers we it's like they hated it and uh so I that's what I think is so – that's why I had to find out, like, growing up, only doing Christian stuff. But, Nick, you said you didn't really, like, have the same strict Christian upbringing. So were, were you – did you ever get that as a kid, or were you always just allowed to watch wrestling, or did you find that later? Yeah, so it wasn't until my parents divorced because my dad was super into wrestling. He wanted and, to be the cool dad. I got you. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> um, my dad would always watch the pay-per-view events with his brothers. And then my mom wouldn't let me go because, you know, because my mom, because I have triple brothers that are, the three of them are all 20 months younger than me. So the last thing she wanted was me and my brothers getting influenced by a bunch of guys fighting, you know, because oh, my brothers sure. and I were very energetic growing up, you know. Mm-hmm. I would so know. a lot of kids got body slammed through plastic tables because of wrestling. I was going to say a, tra- a chain yeah, my- of broken <laughs> coffee tables. Yeah, my cousin got choke slammed off of his bed and broke his arm at like age six. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Don't try this at home, you know. But uh, yeah, so it wasn't until my parents got divorced was when my dad's like, hey, like you're with me right now. And WrestleMania 26 was the first event that I watched at uh, at his place. And I was just like, what? This is the coolest thing, you know? So immediately from then, I was just hooked like every single week. And then it got like, I got really, really uh, into it, you know, like more so I like I think of it as like the greatest form of entertainment on TV or anything like (laughs) I love that. People saw the influence of that on the eye of the tiger because they're like he's shadow boxing what is this john cena you know and I, he definitely has a lot of his personality let alone dance moves or whatever from uh the wrestling yeah. show. but i'm not against wrestling <laughs> um for like you know for kids to i think it's actually good because you know you're, you're shaking each other's hand you're looking in the eye it's like a respect thing as long as you keep your ears um protected from the cauliflower I think that it's it's a good thing. Um, now, boxing is different. While we like the Rocky movies, I would never want my kid to get into boxing. Boxing is brutal. That, yeah, that's a lot. You're not pretending to beat each other up. You are taking it to the face. <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't even know how that's legal. But I yeah, I feel like I would be really. T- I don't have kids, but I feel like if I did, you would sign like them up for boxing it from like age three. It is depended on how annoying they were. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 20 minutes in the ring is their punishment. Is that how you go and handle things? (laughs) You were going to play softball. Now you're going to go get punched in the face. (laughs) Basketball will be a good sport. I think he was a basketball uh, basketball coach recently. And he also got, he got an offer for AAU um, game up in Cleveland. So we'll see if he does that or not, but AAU, my only experience, my experience with AAU is my foster son did it. And I was, had never, been involved in anything like that and he wanted to play on the team really bad so we're like all right we'll sign you up and then after i signed him up i realized how much of my life that was going to consume and boy did i not love aau for that reason (laughs) it's like every friday and saturday night i was out it's like oh my god this doesn't end forever and you drive really far and Oh, man. He loved it, so that was fine. But I was like, oh, my God. I did not realize what I was – it was good that I didn't realize what I was committing to when I signed up for it because had I, he would have missed out on a good opportunity. Resigned him to a bad childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yep. big. I was, I was telling her I actually enjoyed playing AAU more than I did for my school teams growing up. You know? I, yeah, I've heard that a bunch. As a kid, like being in sixth grade, just like, oh, you're playing four basketball games today. You know what I mean? Like you ain't going to complain about that. 
you know, and it's just, I don't know. I just, I always enjoyed just the travel aspect of it and everything. Like I always, I got a better experience doing that than for my school growing up. Yeah. It's a cool thing, man. And it, it gets, connects you with a lot of different schools. Um, if you're trying, if you feel like you're taking it seriously and for kids who want to take it um, to a collegiate level, especially if you're on a team, like some teams have great kids, but aren't great teams. And it's like a good opportunity to like actually interact with some college coaches and, and, kind of Mm -hmm. scope out some colleges in the area when maybe they're not showing up to your school's games all the time yeah at the end of the day i always view sports like i feel like people's true character comes out in sports you know what i mean like you can go to like a fourth grade tackle football game and you see some parents turning into animals you know what i mean (laughs) you learn a lot about composure and you can learn a lot of really good life skills that you can apply when you get older from sports you know yeah you can also learn how not to act as a parent uh when my son my son was five and they're playing, he's playing soccer and none of the kids know which way to kick it. And uh, so the coaches step in, they just kind of like kick it back into play and help out. And some of the parents standing up like, what are you doing? Let them play the game. And you're like, Jesus, sit down. This is just, they're five years old. They don't, no one's going to get a 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so I have my officiating license uh, for eight years. I refereed football and basketball in Ohio. Oh, and cool. there's, there's no story that like I couldn't tell you. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like there's so many mm-hmm. things that happened. They're like parents saying things. Like I just the most extreme things would happen, and I just wouldn't be surprised. I'm just like it's just another day where I'm just trying to make a little bit of side cash. You know? That's how <laughs> you learn yeah. threats. Mom, stressful situations. Uh, it's that's a really good life skill. I think. Yeah, you have to be resilient to be a ref at a kid's game. <laughs> I feel like in my experience, people's true character comes out uh, playing Halo. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that was and that's why I'm cynical. <laughs> I know playing Call of Duty is uh I think you'll hear some from a bunch of like you you'll be told to kill yourself by a bunch of eight year olds so <laughs> relentlessly that you like actually go into a deep depression. Yeah, I'm not so I'm not much of a gamer, but um so I had a surgery recently in December. So um, I was playing like a little bit of video games because I was forced to, right? So I'm just sitting there playing video games like some Madden and this dude's just cussing me out on the mm. other end. I'm just like, yo, like I just picked up my controller. <laughs> like, you know, so people take take that stuff like like you know, when you don't see somebody face to face, you can get away with saying whatever, you know what I mean? And pe- people oh, aren't yeah. about it. <laughs> it sucks the fun out of it as like uh mid thirties guy who's just, tr- I've just started playing video games again because I've find found th- the time here and there. And I'm like, yeah, you got, it ruins it. Like just getting belittled by middle schoolers is just yeah. not fun. <laughs> you know what the game for you is then Tetris. Yeah. I should there just get go. on animal crossing. I think I hear that one's pretty relaxing. <laughs> no monopoly is a good game if you play it online because then you don't have to count the money it's just all accounted for you and you play <laughs> hours of monopoly and in general you know I, I think it takes like two or three hours and it takes at most an hour and a half for us to play a game of monopoly when you do it on, online so it's, it's a cool thing noted okay so uh as you might have guessed, I don't know if you've gotten to listen to any of our show before but uh, mm-hmm. a large portion of our audience, is are people who left the church that they grew up in there's a lot of them that i mean there's it's not all atheists or any by any means there's a lot of people who are still professing christians but like grew disgruntled with like the brand of christianity that they grew up with and found some other version of it that they liked better that fit them better church seems to be a thing that's like 
it's in a rough patch right now in America. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I think a lot of people are, what, what is it that you think the church is doing wrong right now? Open-ended question. Totally. I mean, not looking for any specific answer, but like when you see, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, mega church pastors in, you know, two, $2,500 sneakers or, you know, other ones that are, you know, uh, calling into Fox news on a Sunday morning or whatever, like, what is it that you see out there that you're like, I don't know if this is the way. Yeah. So for me, like people will ask me now, like what my denomination is, you know, or just like, oh, this church, that church, mega churches, small churches. And for me, I'm really big on just focusing on your relationship with God, you know, and I think like when we all go to like, sometimes I feel like a lot of churches, they focus more on like the empty calories versus the meat and veggies of Christianity. And um, when, at least for me, like sometimes being a Christian at the end of the day, you should be able to show people you're a Christian instead of telling them and taking a Bible. Sometimes some Christians have a habit of like Bible bashing, you know, somebody's skull or like a lot of people will just go completely away from the church because of how hard some people come down on them. Where at the end of the day, we're just trying to be molded into the image of Jesus, you know, trying to be Christ-like, you know, being loving, caring, compassionate, being there for people when they're down, you know, and um at the end of the day, you could say, oh, I've read my Bible 10 times through, you know, or I'm going to church uh, every single Sunday, but are you living it? You know what I mean? And I think that's where some there's some disconnect is that I feel like some people um, have a bad experience at a church, yeah. you know, because of cer- certain circumstances. And at the end of the day, like I believe when we go to heaven, um, we're not going to be seg- segregated. The Baptists, Calvinists, <laughs> Catholics, Charismatics. You know, we'll all see the truth. (laughs) We'll see the truth of how it really is, you know, how Jesus really is. Yeah. But, you know, like, um, I just feel like sometimes we fight so much against ourselves, like, oh, my theology is better than your theology, you know? And um, it's just, I feel like that, that internal conflict is what um, people, they see that and they see the bleeding, you know, because churches aren't perfect because churches are run run by men. Right. And um, when they see some of the bleeding that goes on, I feel like some are run by women. Oh, some people because of the bad guess, ones, because of like a, an experience, you know, I feel like get pulled away. But, um, you know, for me, like, like I was telling you guys earlier about my addiction, like I became a reborn Christian laying on my bed. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't in church, you know? And, uh, I think that if churches sometimes, uh, just, fo- just instead of telling people, Hey, this, that, and this, you need to be doing this right. You're committing that sin. Oh, you, sh- you shouldn't be wearing this instead of pointing fingers, you know, just showing them, you know, without telling them that you're a Christian, I feel like to bring more people to Christ, you know, and Matthew 5, 16 told us to let our light shine before others, you know? So sometimes uh, just be, instead of talking about it, actually be about it, you know? And I think you, you can lead by example in that way. Yeah. Also, Jesus simplified things when he came, before he came which is the Old Testament, you know, there was like over 600 laws of all these things that you need to do to, I don't know, get to heaven or just like to be a good person, whatever. But when Jesus came, he said that all those 600 laws are replaced with two. The first one's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. So if you really did that, then it's like you would fulfill everything you need to in, in, in Jesus's words, you know? So that's pretty easy, I think. You know what I mean? Like, it's nice when things become simple for you instead of so, like, so many details, you know? Yeah. It's like until people start arguing about what that looks like and what it means, is that's where I guess the rubber meets the road again. It's like 
I like that. I mean, I'm I'm here for the simplicity of of the uh, of it being the way you live your life. Or, but it is. I guess that's. I feel like we're at now where so the I would the time that like Jesus came into where it's like every, I mean he came into a pretty hefty time of debate on what it means like Jewish people under Roman occupation trying to figure out like you know the Pharisees trying to figure out like we need to follow these laws because we have all these promises that say that you know God's going to come through for us and give us our own our own city so we're waiting for a messiah we're doing and we're waiting for our actual kingdom to be rebuilt and like so then you have people who are like, well, it says that we need to follow these laws for that to happen. And it's like, well, what does it mean to follow these laws? And you end up with like a million different ways of looking at it and a lot of arguing and infighting. And I think we just ended, we ended up in the same spot when it can, it seems like it, it could be uh, more simple until everyone starts arguing about what it actually means, and what it looks like again. And I don't mm-hmm. know. I think that's uh, I think that's a big part of not that Casey asked me my opinion, but it's my podcast. Yeah. I can say what I want. It's uh <laughs> It's it that's that's I guess to get to the his question that's where it feels like things have gone super awry is like just there's so much argumentation about what that looks like and what that means that it's caused a lot of people to be like who then really knows and throw in the towel and find their own way forward. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, even simpler than that is just the gospel, which is um, believe in your heart that you know Jesus came and died and that God raised him from the dead. Confess it with your mouth that's evidently how you get saved. You know what I mean? And I know some people think that you can be unsaved once you are. And there are some people that think you're eternally secure. That's hard. Which one do you think it is? Because that means a lot to me. That has a lot of consequences for me. I don't know. My dad always said, don't try, don't get so close to hell that you say, how far can I go till I fall in? It's like, why don't you just stay away from the edge and you'll be safe, you know? So, so it's a spectrum. I, don't, I try to ride the line. So, you know. I voted for John McCain in 2008, if that helps. Oh, okay. <laughs> John that's, McCain. that's what I'm going to put on my. Uh, I tell you, that's resume. better than Obama. <laughs> but, well, but, I, uh, okay. So here, here's a. And maybe this isn't something that's really something we can dive into, but okay. So do it. Do it. So a lot of like social media, like you know, we talk about people being aggressive on social media and saying rude things. Yeah, it seems like so much, like so much of what happens on social media, whether it's someone, uh, you know, you just take for example, like someone blasting a person for being a bigot because they, you know, believe something that they don't write. So much of that, I think when you step back and look at it, feels it feels less like, okay, this is not about you standing up for someone. This is not about you like trying to change another person's mind that you don't agree with. Like this seems to be a performance to show that you're part of the team, right? Like, mm-hmm. is this really how you affect change when you're talking about like climate issues? Or are you just trying to show that you're part of the right team? You know? I, you know, so continue, I'm sorry. Well, I think like, okay, you said earlier, you were talking about how like, you know, uh, the Bible says that like Christians will be hated and stuff for living according to Christ and whatnot. Do you think that some of this, the the backlash is like self-inflicted? Because we've all heard people say like, well, you know, I don't believe in homosexuality. I think it's living in sin. So for me to not like, call someone out over Twitter for being gay or like in general 
that's 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 not a loving way for me to be right i have mm-hmm. to tell them that they're going to hell because i love them and that's what real love looks like how much of that though then becomes like this is me perform like performatively like speaking to what i want to be known as like i'm i'm declaring my identity to the outward world rather than like I want to help this person that I don't think is living correctly. Yeah, I'd have to agree with uh, you because uh, at least so take my eye of the tiger uh, video, for example, right? If they people are really that concerned about my salvation over the video or really concerned about that event, they would have messaged me personally, reached out to me personally, my business emails on my Instagram account, you know, so if, if they were really that concerned, it would be like, hey, Nick saw your video, Eye of the Tiger, just wanted to say, maybe quote some scriptures or whatever, but a lot of people, they wanted to go public with it, you know? And so to me, whenever I was reading comments, like I said, I, I try to be objective. I don't take any of it personally. Most of the time I just chuckle, like her and I, like we'll be watching or reading we some We were stuff. laughing, reading the comments, you know, and we've often found it to be a great source of um, entertainment, reading comments, my sister and I, when we had our videos and then with our video, you know, so I'm no stranger to hate because of the other videos and, you know, I'm with sure. him refereeing uh, <laughs> that he's no stranger either. So yeah. I think we were sort of already prepared for it. Didn't really hit you by surprise too much. But yeah, you know, to your point, like a lot of people on social media, their point, like, look how right. I'm sorry, Haley. They'll be like, <laughs> look how right I am because I said this versus like, hey, I actually want to help this person grow as a human being, you know, and um, especially nowadays with social media, people have businesses on social media, you know, and there's, I've starting to get like a little from the eye of the tiger video, just a little bit more exposure. Um, I've been able to get a little bit of money through Instagram and Facebook for, for posting things. And when people are running their social media as a business, you know, people go on social media at the end of the day to be entertained, you know, people um, just like I'm a WWE fan, what creates good matches is the drama, the clash is saying, no, I'm better than you, you know, and she does an impression of like WWE wrestlers, you know, but very predictable. Uh, but sometimes I feel that a lot of people on social media, like even like MGK versus Eminem, you know, people invest, yeah. in you know what I mean? <laughs> like, even if they're not actually beefing, they might be chuckling and be like, dude, look at the interactions that we're getting. You know what I mean? So um, at the end of the day, I feel that um, especially if you're going to put something out publicly, I do feel there's a, a motive to represent your brand, show that you're down with the cause, you know, and sometimes, uh, uh, you know, one of my favorite verses is uh, Galatians 1.10, where it tells you not to seek the approval of men, but seek the approval of God. And a lot of people that are, you know, commenting or saying certain things, they're trying to uh, engage with their followers to, to sort of show them, hey, I am why I'm. I post certain things, if that makes sense, you know? Yep. It, yeah. It, it almost seems like a trap that like, I mean, everyone, our entire generation is falling into, right? This like purposely courting controversy and like wearing your, your colors publicly for people to see, like the, it almost feels like a trap that the church has sort of stumbled into now where it's like, guys, are we are, are we really actually trying to like change people's minds and bring them closer to the truth? Or are we trying to make noise to get attention for, like you said, the approval of men, that verse, like you said, like seeking the approval of men that always gets explained. I mean, I, you know, I, I always heard it explained in like a, you know, people want the world's like, that's a person who wants the world's attention and approval rather than God's. But like, you could clearly, you could definitely see like in your explanation sort of how that would also apply to like, Hey, you're trying to get attention and approval from other Christians. And it's maybe at the expense of like impact that you could have 
if you were just yeah. living like you say you want to live, you know? Mm -hmm. It's actually scary to get the approval of men because it's like, what are you doing wrong if everybody's approving of what you're doing? You know what I mean? The gospel is not really a pretty message. It is a message of hope, but it's also a mes message of offense to a lot of people that want to believe they are basically good and are like, oh, I'm not a sinner. Why would I need someone to die for me? Like, uh, you know, it could be easy to reject that. But um, I don't know. I, I think that it's good to have people not agree with you. That's a good thing. I mean, obviously, you want to get through to people if you want them to believe the same way as you do. It's like, hey, let's all go to heaven together. Like, obviously, the point is to is to get people to believe what you believe. But you got to know not everyone is going to, you know. Do you, do you enjoy controversy? You talking to him or me? To, to you. I'm sorry, Haley. Um, I have started to. I think I've started to. Even I, I, I was always scared of hate until I got it. And I was like, oh, it's actually very um, liberating. And you can get to that point. Because if you can't take people talking bad about you or thinking bad about you, you're not a very strong person, you know? You have to kind of get grit in this life. And sometimes it comes naturally. Sometimes you make it happen. <laughs> but I wasn't trying to, we, we weren't trying to, we weren't doing it for views. Like there, uh, we, we, we um, supported Rick Santorum back in 2012. And we actually thought he was a good candidate. It's not like we wanted to, we were trying to get on Yahoo News and all these places like we did. It's like, oh, it's cool that that happened. Um, you guys and are pro sweater vest. What do you say? You guys are pro sweater vest. Sweater vest. Is that, was that what he wore? <laughs> yeah. I, we're I thinking about the dad from David and Goliath, right? I focus a little more on what he believed than what he wore, but um, but yeah, we were like, hey, this is a good candidate, and we don't want to see our country go down. And I feel I feel like it has gone down gradually. I think Trump sort of saved it for a little bit, but he's also very polarizing. A lot of people didn't like him and didn't know um, they could only see that he was a child in his tweets. They could only see that he was immature sometimes. They didn't really see what he did good for the country. So that's sad, um, but you know, um, everyone has their own opinions and that actually is a very beautiful thing, you know? Yeah, I feel like there's a real gulf there. I mean, my, I, mean, I live in Kansas, so most everybody I know is conservative. I feel like a lot of people would call me conservative depending on who they are. I don't get the, I don't get the Trump thing. Like that controversy, that constant like, like, I mean, he definitely revels in controversy, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think that that's... Like that's that's somewhat controversial, like contrary to good leadership, isn't it? Mm -hmm. For me personally, when it comes to this upcoming election, whether you're riding with Biden or thump with Trump, you know, uh, <laughs> my, <laughs> but, uh, for me, like I, you know, especially with me, like I'm really, really big about Jesus, you know, hence my business, you know, and what we're trying to do. Um, I really want to see one of these political leaders like actually humble themselves before God. And instead of saying you're bad, no, you're bad. I actually want to see somebody humble themselves and be like, hey, if I'm going to be this leader, I'm going to do it through Christ. And I think, um, you know, because obviously, you know, her and I are really big Christians. I feel like if we're going to bring this country to, to God, we need to stop idolizing politicians, you know, one way or another. And we need to focus on a, a Christ centered leader, you know, no matter who that is, you know what I mean? And uh, I just feel like, because let's just say someone's really down with Trump, right? Like you're saying, like, if there's really big Trump supporters in Kansas, 
you know, let's just say he wins in 2024, goes on to 2028. You know, you we, we sometimes we create these false idols out of leaders and the ball's going to keep going. You know what I mean? And yeah. there's going to be other people that keep there's coming only along. Eight, eight years max and then it can go downhill again. But what I think is um, if if Trump can be considered an evil, right, what's the less of two evils? Has Biden done well for this country? Is he making like is he do is he doing the right thing? by our country. You know what I mean? Yeah. With everything that's going on, sometimes you just choose whatever's the lesser of two evils instead of who the perfect person is because there are no perfect politicians. Who's the perfect corpse <laughs> to occupy the chair? What uh okay, so who's your backup then? If Trump doesn't get the nomination, like who do you hope gets it? Well, of course DeSantis. I um, mean, people DeSantis, like So you're pulling for DeSantis second. DeSantis is a lot like Trump but he's more liked. And you know what though, about Trump, he makes peace with other countries, but he's not respected in his own country. Um, and there, there's a parallel to Jesus there. Jesus was respected <laughs> in other cities. So he would, he would experience a lot of healings other places when he would travel and minister because people believed in him. In his own uh, city where he grew up in, they're like, oh, that's just Jesus, the carpenter's son. So they didn't believe in him. And he experienced a lot less people having faith and there was less miracles. I don't know if you knew that or not, but um, sometimes you're not respected in your own country, but other people from other countries can see, and they're making fun of Biden. They're like, oh, this is America's president, you know, and all these memes and stuff. And obviously- None of them made fun of Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Made fun of Trump. But um, I believe in ignorance, uh, they made fun of Trump. Yes, he can be made fun of for stupid stuff he does, like stupid things he says or whatever. But um, don't actions speak louder than words? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that was my biggest problem, actually. Um, <laughs> Did you guys buy his uh, his NFTs? Yeah, that, which honestly, no, that was the that was one of the only things I liked that he did because I made a shitload of money off of those shirtless Trump NFTs. Yeah, I mean the economy was doing <laughs> a lot better. Um, my stocks were higher. I'll say that I got into penny stocks. <laughs> yeah, fair. That's but fair. Um, or before that. But and gas prices and all that. And I don't know. I, I also support someone who supports um, like non-abortion. I think abortion's murder. And yeah, I don't think that should ever be OK. You know what I mean? And also, you know, well, agree to disagree. Uh, these are, I feel like these are like the tried and true debates that are kind of not entirely worth Sure. hashing out yeah. after not like not making progress hour of conversation <laughs> i got my this, back. i don't have it on my hands so no. but like I, these I, are just these are you have to split the difference here like this is something that like people there's no um i i've i've never seen a debate on this topic change anybody's mind or you know sure. strongly held convictions impact somebody else's strongly held convictions so i understand it like i even i mean i'm not even necessarily opposed it's not like uh like, you know you have like this giant like uh anti-pro-life ethic or anything like that and there's plenty of people who have pro-life ethics who i i would i might find some disagreement on but ultimately would stand with based on their you know what they believe would be a good answer to solving those problems like a shane claiborne i'll i'll jump into his camp all day and like you know reach across the aisle there um <clears throat> so it's not uh I think I don't think that people have the hardline stances that they're made out to have, and I think the some of the debates that are forced into the zeitgeist uh, end up doing everyone a disservice instead of being like, like if if that's the case and we have this disagreement, no, I 
other than the fringe, you'll find the fringe people who are like, you know what? I think abortion's awesome and I love it and we should celebrate it. And I think those people are obviously just fall into the to the trappings of what Casey was talking about earlier of just trying to like that that's pageantry for a particular side. Um, but I yeah. think you would find 80% of the country going, what can we do to decrease this? If, if you can't stop it completely and you're not going to legislate it out of existence, because even if you try to legislate it out of existence, it has always existed. Like you could, you could look across the aisle and say, there are some concrete things we can do to reduce this. And uh, let's not, let's not, it's not a zero sum game. And I think abortion has been turned into that. So I don't actually know that like the, the tried and true debate of like pro-life, abortionist right. uh, is overly who um, are kind of in the middle where they're like, well, I don't believe in abortion, but in the case of rape or incest, you know, then I would support it. Um, and I'll always go back to the Bible. It's, it's my rule book. Right. And what the Bible says is that before we were formed in the womb, God knew who we were and called us by name. And whether we came out of a married situation or a not married situation, babies come sometimes. Right. And it's like God um, planned them. So, and if a woman can't, can't take care of a baby, then they can always adopt it out. There's a lot of people that can't have babies. You know, it's, it's a fun, unfortunate that a lot of people that really want babies can't have them and people that don't want them have them oftentimes, you know. And, you have a um, lot of siblings, right? But, yeah, we do. There's, there is eight of us. So, yeah, I am pro-life. My mom had actually have- uh, five miscarriages between the seventh and the eighth. But um, we went oh, to a church service God. and the, pa- the pastor said, there's a woman in here who's barren, but on your 10th step out of this building, you'll be healed. And my mom's like, okay, that's definitely me. And so she took her 10th step and she's like, I didn't feel anything, but then she was pregnant shortly after. <laughs> so little Hadassah Jubilee is wow. our miracle rainbow baby. She's now 16. So did you have any adopted siblings? No, we never did. I mean, not legally. My dad sort of adopted by heart some of some people, but some kids. Is that something that you guys like are considering? Well, we're, we're currently we're pregnant, so if we couldn't have kids, maybe you know what I mean. But yeah, man, well, I'm at well, I'm at a one at a time stage, you know what I mean. Especially she's I think we were four months pregnant. Four months? Oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna yeah, say. I was hoping to get a commitment for four. Yeah. Right I mean, now, you guys aren't ready to make that commitment. Man, I so think like- there are plenty. There's plenty. I mean, yeah. fostering. Even my uh, secular ass fostered some kids. <laughs> That's very, that's actually amazing. Did, no, that's awesome. Did you man. see the movie? Um, yeah. Did you see the movie called Instant Family with, uh, what's your guy's name? Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg and the other girl. Anyway, they talked about how hard it can be to foster kids and how they're running around being crazy and they may feel like they're warming up to you, then all of a sudden stab your back. And, you know, because they're, you know, it's very, very little love in the system that they're put in a lot of times. And, you know, I wish the adoption yeah. system was better. You know what I mean? But oh, it would be nice. Sam's kind of like like living at Trent, at Sam's house for foster kids is kind of like living with the trench pole from Matilda. <laughs> hmm, I don't know if it's Matilda. I know it's got the girl from um, Miracle on 34th Street. She's... I pick them up by their hair and spin them in circles and toss them out windows is what he's trying to say. Makes them eat cake until they die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> until they cast magic spells on me and send me flying over a gated fence. Uh, and how many foster kids you say you have again? Uh, I have one. I've uh, had, uh, I've had an, another, but that was a weird, uh, unofficial situation because she was eighteen, but still in high school. So it's not actually considered fostering because they're out of the system. But anyway, uh, so so too. 
Dude, that's I just want to say that's awesome, man. I have so much respect for people that adopt and foster uh, kids. Like that's, it takes really special people to to do that, you know. So it says a lot about you that you're one of those people. Maybe it means I'm saved. <laughs> no, absolutely not. If you believe in if you believe in God and that Jesus died on the cross and God raised him from the grave, you are saved according to the Bible. I'll have to get back to you on that. <laughs> you don't have to get back to me. I mean, it's your, it's your personal beliefs and decisions and all, but that's just, that's what the Bible says. Like I, I am literally protected by the Bible. I'm just like, this is what it says. And if people think I'm a hater, it's just, everyone believes something, whether they believe in no God or whether they believe in Muhammad or Buddha or whatever. Um, we all are actually entitled to our beliefs. You know what I mean? Cause that's just because God bless America. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. What a comfortable place to be. (laughs) What? uh, Okay. So uh, where can people find out more about uh, two for Christ and lift with Christ and uh, Haley, what you and your sister, do you have a, a, do you guys have a group name? Well, you know, for a long time, it was first love, but since first love was taken everywhere, we did first love band and that was our beginnings. And then people would say, introducing Camille and Haley Harris from the first love band. And we're like, goodness, we don't even have a band. Um, we just used that name because it was available. So then we just changed our name to Camille and Haley. So we have CamilleandHaley.com, but since that's hard to spell, it also merges if you um, type in thesisterduo.com, thesisterduo.com, and that will go to CamilleandHaley.com. And then for us, we have twoforchrist.org, T-W-O for Christ.org, maybe even easier is liftwithchrist.org. And it goes to the same website. It's the home of both. So we just updated it actually. Okay. Yeah, you know. Yeah, actually, I was surprised you had uh with lift for lift with Christ. Sorry, lift with Christ has a um, you have a pretty good sized following there, man. Oh, thank you, I appreciate yeah, it. I yeah, yeah. All my uh, social media handles are all at lift with Christ, and if you want to engage, to message. Go. I try to get back with as many people as I can that message. If you want to throw some hate comments, thinks my rapping's trash. Like whatever <laughs> it is, like it's I I don't disable comments. I don't block people. So if you, I'm all about free speech. So if you want to say something, like have at it. <laughs> well, maybe I'll reach out for some fitness tips because I'm getting schlubby in my mid thirties. Dude, yeah, dude, let's do it, man. I'll get you on a meal plan, workout routine. I'll get you swole. There we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Nick and Haley, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate you hanging out with us. Oh, yes, you for having us. It's a good time. Yeah, so- definitely appreciate it. Like I, I know we talked a little bit before we got started, and uh, it just, I agree. I hope I didn't set it up as though you're walking into a hostile environment, but it was one of those like asking someone to do something where you know, like you're going on something where there there's going to be ideological differences. You, I, it makes it tough. I think people don't necessarily know what to expect. Uh, we just and went on you guys were great. It, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, Hemet Hemet Meadow, right? Great guy, Hemet. really nice. He is. he is. We've had him on our podcast uh, earlier on when we got this thing going. He's he's a nice guy. I mm-hmm. I appreciate him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I anyway, I appreciate you guys doing this. Um, it, I think it's really cool of you, and I had a good time talking to you both. Oh, thank you so oh, much, man. Yeah, yeah, dude, I just I take things in stride, man. I just gonna roll with it. I think even like you mentioned ideologies, it's like, bro, if two people are chill, like, eh, you know, you just, at the end of the day, I I think uh, it's a shame that people are like, uh oh, different different viewpoints. You know, it's like ah, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ here on earth. You know what I mean? So this this was fun, man. I'm really glad you had us on. This was a pleasure talking with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, All is right, that a Luke shirt or what? What is what shirt is that? Tesseract. 
Tesseract, yeah. It's, a, it's not Loki, it's a right? Band. Oh, it's a band. Okay. It's not King of Asgard. Right. <laughs> anyway, well, yes. Uh, thanks, everybody, okay. for listening. And uh, we will see you next time. Okay. Bye.